0: Welcome to another installment of 3 and Out Podcast, Brett Shavs, once again alongside Mike Cicchetti and Ben Pope. Guys, we're in person for the first time, three of us all in the dorm room. Mike's first time here in the dorms here at Bean Bollage. Mike, how's it, how's it feel, my friend? You're, you're accompanying me and Ben. feels
1: great. It's a beautiful thing to be here with you guys. I'm excited for this episode. i love to be looking
2: at Mike's beautiful face, so I'm and be talking about some football here, some NFL Week One action. Uh, just finished up here just yesterday, so absolutely excited to talk about that.
1: And you want to know my favorite thing about us being in person? What is that? My favorite thing is that we can cut each other off so easily in oh, yeah. arguments. It's going to be great.
0: We don't have to worry about like absolutely. we don't have to worry about like network issues or anything. Like That's what I'm this saying. This is going to be a straight like debate. Straight. Straight. What? Straight
1: dog. I don't know what I was trying to find.
0: But... <laughs> okay, let's hop right into game recaps from yesterday. Starting off with the first game of the season, it was Bucks against the Cowboys in Raymond James Stadium. Fellas, it was a shootout, to say the least, between the two sides. Antonio Brown impressed as mm. one of the Bucs for wide receivers. Benjamin, we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Then you had Dak Prescott, who came back for his first time on the field since week five of last year after breaking his leg pretty significant amount there. and He impressed a lot of people, so we'll just start with Ben here. Thoughts on game one and how the Bucs handled the situation against Dallas?
2: Well, it was a much closer contest than most people really anticipated to be. The Cowboys actually made it somewhat of a game. Honestly, I thought that uh, they should have won that contest. I think the Bucks really allowed them to get back into that game with almost three or four turnovers that they had. I know that Brady had the two interceptions, one that uh, kind of one off of Fournette's fingers, and then the late pick in the second quarter right before half-ended, which really didn't do anything, but still uh, a fumble by Ronald Jones as well. So a few turnovers there. Uh, Dak had a beautiful game. Glad to see that he's coming back well, uh, both from his uh, leg injury and the shoulder issues that he was dealing with. uh, 403 yards and three touchdowns. A beautiful game for him. Uh, Threw the ball a lot as well as he made 58 attempts uh, through the air. But honestly, just a good game on both sides. Dallas really should have been able to take advantage, but we did mention that Dallas, uh, sometime in the preseason, our last couple shows, that Dallas does have some issues both on the defensive side where they're not able to hold up scoring, which we saw Brady kind of take advantage, especially on the last drive, uh, kind of abusing Gronk. Um, But yeah, Tampa Bay played an amazing game. You mentioned Antonio Brown. Uh, Guys, if you don't go on Fanatics and grab some beautiful jerseys on there, I just scooped up a beautiful Antonio Brown jersey for $15. Uh, not a sponsor for Fanatics here, but, oh my God, such a beautiful <laughs> um, But Antonio Brown had a great game. He had that large, like, 40- or 50-yard touchdown uh, in the second quarter. Unbelievable. I was so excited because I had Antonio Brown almost everywhere in fantasy. Such a beautiful thing. But uh, Chris Godwin had a beautiful game as yep. well. Uh, had 14 targets, 9 catches, uh, a touchdown or so as well, so. Beautiful game on both sides. Cowboys still have their issues, of course, in the Buccaneers. Kind of slide away with one.
1: And Ben, you mentioned in our NFC season preview that um, you said Antonio Brown would be the top receiver in the Bucs offense. Yeah,
2: kind of what we saw in that first game, I said that Chris Godwin led the team with the 14 targets, of course, Gronk. Gronk also had a decent amount of catch as well. I believe he also went... 8-for-8 eight eight and converting targets into catches there. So really good game for Gronk. Um, Mike Evans kind of struggled a little bit only a couple of catches. Yep. But Antonio Brown kind of acted as the 1B. So Chris Godwin's 1A. I think that Mike Evans will join that. So it might not be Antonio Brown as a straight-up 1, as it was a bold prediction. But might as well be the 1B or 1C to Edmonton Godwin.
1: And that was Trevon Diggs on... Mike Evans, for a majority of the game, he only gave up one reception for 10 yards on three targets. No, he really did. Is this like a breakout year for Travon Diggs? Can we expect this this year? Because that would be huge for Dallas' secondary. If
0: Travon Diggs can break out the way he can, I think Dallas will finally have some sort of stability at the one. They haven't had that, I think, in the past four or five seasons. I mean, you look at the past, you get Orlando Skandrick, you've had Brandon Carr you've had all these different guys that sort of fit into a cycle sort of scheme, but they've never had a true one.
1: I mean, the last true one, or the last solid one, was probably Byron Jones. Probably. What was that, two, three years ago? Something
0: like that, in 47 we Miami.
2: Well, I'll kind of take the next uh, topic here, and not a specific game, but a quartet of games, and I want to talk Ooh. about the NFC West here. Um, kind of had a... Question for you guys and going to be putting out there. So, just recently, uh, last season, they added in the third wild card. So, now seven teams from each conference are able to make the playoffs. Yep. Uh, Do you guys think there's a chance the NFC West becomes the first division in NFL history that does that with four playoff teams? So, I'm going to give you a little bit of facts here before I turn it over to you guys. So, from 2002 uh, through the 2019 season, where they only had the two wild cards, so six playoff teams. It happened seven times where three teams from the same division made the playoffs. This was the NFC East in 06, the AFC South in 07, the NFC East in 07, so multiple teams, uh, multiple divisions in 07, the AFC North in 2011, the AFC West in 2013, the AFC North in 2014, and the NFC South in 2017.
1: Um, Yeah, I honestly think they can. Because if you look at the worst team in that division, which is probably Arizona, you compare them to the other potential wild cards around the league, which would be New Orleans, like I said, Carolina, maybe Minnesota, and then the NFC East, which is probably Dallas or Washington. I would put take Arizona over probably all of those teams, despite I mean, Dallas's defense is an issue and Washington's kinda Injured on the offensive side with um, Fitz out and their second receiver, Curtis Samuel, out for a portion of the season. So, honestly, yeah, because I would take Arizona over any of the other wildguard teams.
0: If I'm looking at this as a whole, <clears throat> excuse me, San Francisco is the one that stands out to me. I think Arizona can make the playoffs. I think Seattle can make the playoffs. I absolutely think L.A. can make the playoffs. I don't know about San Francisco. Why? Explain that. If they're gonna transition from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance, I just don't think he's ready yet for that kind of season.
1: I think, I think they're just gonna ride the hot hand. If they're winning I, games with Jimmy G, I think they're just gonna roll with him. I don't think they're gonna rush into anything with Trey Lance. Although, I completely agree. Although I love Trey Lance and him and Shanahan are gonna be beautiful together. I think they're he's just gonna keep it conservative for the first year. Maybe bring him in on a few plays here and there. But I think for the majority of the season, as long as there are winning games, Jimmy G will be the starter.
2: And I think that's best for Trey Lance, too, because even before he got drafted and everything, we kind of mentioned that he was probably going to be the quarterback out of the five that was probably going to sit the first year just because he was so raw. So the fact that he's even getting a few snaps, which like he did well with it. He threw a touchdown literally on his first pass. I don't know. It still seems like Garoppolo, who... I I understand he was against the Lions and everything, but still is presenting a competent game script and uh, game uh, coverage thus far for quarterback under uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. I'd still keep him. Like I don't feel any concern with the Niners. Them allowing the Lions ba- late back into that game, if you're concerned, if any about their defense, I'm not worried about it. It's it seemed like it was just the game's pretty much over. We'll just kind of let them
1: do their own. Now, defensively, I am a little worried about secondary. Yeah. Jason Jason Barrett, Barrett, as Ben will mention soon, out with a... What is it? ACL. Torn ACL ACL out for the season. And even in general, I wasn't really huge on anyone in the 49 of secondary. So that, to me, is an issue, secondary-wise. But I feel like the front seven will do enough to make up for it. So San Francisco as a whole, I'm not too worried about.
0: The biggest thing for me, too, is... Obviously, we'll talk about this later on, too, is the run game. Um, Raheem Mostert, once again, is out this time for the year. He's having knee surgery announced it on Instagram and Twitter as well. So now your only two running backs that are predominant in that offense are Elijah Marshall and Trey Sermon, the rookie. Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell sorry. Why did I say Elijah Marshall? I don't know. Don't
1: know I was going to say Elijah. I was thinking fair. Elijah Moore.
0: So That's fair. So, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon, who we saw play in 2020 last year because Raheem Mostert got hurt. So, it'll be more of a committee this year in San Francisco as opposed to the Raheem Mostert show.
2: Honestly, presenting it, I think the Seahawks and the Rams are both slam dunk picks to make the playoffs unless something drastic happens. I agree. I think the Niners are pretty close to a lock. Yep. I honestly would see, like, it'd have to be something with, like, Nick Bosa, if his ACL kind of aggravates him once again. I, I mentioned this in the other show, that like he was a big key for the division for me. Like, I'm not too worried about them having a weak secondary. I think that it'll be tough for them to beat matchups with the Seahawks and the Rams because of that. So I think right. they're going to finish third or fourth. Right. But still, like, I have confidence in them, and I have, honestly have confidence in the Cardinals after the way that they played against the Titans. Maybe I think I underestimate them a little bit. And same with the Saints as well, so we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely a possibility and this would be the most likely division to have happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Best yeah. division in the league.
0: It's close. It's competitive. Alright, so I guess I'll kick it next here for this game. Packers and Saints. What in the world happened to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? They got demolished from... What was the first game starting of Jameis Winston's career in New Orleans? First full season starting, he's set up for right now. He started game one against Green Bay in Jacksonville due to Hurricane Ida. The Saints to be playing their home games there for the meantime. But Packers' defense, offense just fell apart in this game. They had no run game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They couldn't feed the ball to Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers at, at one point at the end of the game was just throwing it up and just seeing what stuck, so... What do you guys think uh, went wrong with the Packers in Game 1?
1: I was really confused checking the stats afterwards off of the um, run game. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones combined only had 9 carries for what 28 yards. Sheesh. Which kind of shocked me because if you're down by such a big margin, I would assume you'd just go to the run. But obviously that wasn't the case. Nothing, they weren't really able to get nothing done. Jordan Love came in at the end, and he fumbled. I'm pretty sure, Um so. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, is this a telltale sign for the Packers' season, or is this just a fluke? Like, I don't know. I
2: I think I honestly said this, like, right after the game ended. I thought it was their version of what the Bucks did to him last season, like, there was just nothing going right in that game. Yeah, and then literally the next week they came out. I believe it was against the Lions, which ironically enough they have the Lions uh, coming up in week two. Maybe it's a get-right game. It should be. Um, should be and they absolutely destroyed them. So I don't know what to say. Like just watching a couple of the first interception was the biggest telltale for me in regards to Aaron Rodgers. He completely just misread the route that Devontae Adams had. He targeted him late and. In the route that he went on, and just got beaten on the coverage. So, and that's when the pick happened. The MBS pick as well. Like he just way overthrew him. There was there was something off about Rodgers in that game. Um, the run game. I'll mention this. Like they usually have like a few games, and for like a workhorse back, Aaron Jones has these weird games where he does have that stat line. So it's not like completely abnormal to see him
1: do it. Right. know
2: they're a really good running uh, team. It was just really uh surprising to see that Jameis and the Saints office tore him up as much as they could. Uh, like John Johnson, Chris Hogan had a touchdown. Yeah. Tony Jones Junior had a decent amount of run game alongside Alvin Kamara, of course, and Jameis Winston had honestly the weirdest stat line ever. He had like one hundred and sixty passing yards.
0: Five, five
1: CDs, yeah. 148 yards, 148 crazy. He was the first quarterback in history to throw five touchdowns under 150 passing yards. See, How? You
2: talk about Jameis Winston, you probably think like first, first quarterback to throw 500 yards and five picks. But hey, Lasik man.
1: Lasik, the LASIK's what matters? Lasik stock, buy it. No, and you got to give credit to Jameis too, because for them to come into this game as underdogs, nobody. I mean. Everyone expected Green Bay to take this game over the Saints. No one knew how the Saints would have done. No Michael Thomas. Their receiving core is who even knows. But Jameis came out,
0: and he was... Okay, I'll just interject here for a second. So, obviously, you're going to give Jameis a lot of credit for what he did in that game. 150 yards, 5 TDs with a lackluster offense. Didn't really have... Much to work with with Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, no Michael Thomas, Marquez Calloway as well. You had Juwan Johnson at tight end with Adam Trotman. Didn't really have much to work with in going up against a Packers team that, like you mentioned, Mike, was the underdog going into this game. So I gave him a lot of credit, looked really good in the pocket with his awareness, understood the situations, really led this team to victory, and I think this is a telltale sign that you know Jameis Winston could succeed and has a ceiling, and I mentioned this before, of a top-10 quarterback this season.
1: And I cannot wait when Michael Thomas gets back healthy because him and Jameis together are going to be a thing of beauty.
2: Uh, So we'll probably go over to, honestly, this was probably the game of the week for me, Uh, Kansas City versus Cleveland. Um, Cleveland literally scored touchdowns on their first three drives. I was holding Kansas City to a 22-10 deficit literally at the halftime. And Kansas City kind of did their thing. They completely blew up in the second half of the game. Uh, They scored uh, 10 unanswered, and then Cleveland kind of answered back with another touchdown, but Kansas City pretty much uh, ended it from there. It scored 13 unanswered against Cleveland, and uh, 133 to 29. I'll put out a question here to you guys. Um, More so, this Kansas City comeback, we've seen it so many times with this offense. Um, rather than what it says about Kansas City, what do you think their comeback says more about the Browns and maybe their future this season?
1: Honestly, I'm not worried. Because the Browns, I'm really high on them. But this is the Kansas City Chiefs' offense, and they are a – they're going to be a historical offense. So I'm not worried about the Browns at all because of this comeback. Just, I mean – Just – clean up the plays, and like I want to say it was Stefanski said after the game, everything that went wrong for them is easily fixable. And that's true. So I'm not not worried much at all about this loss.
2: That's definitely looking at um, the muffed punt that led to the second Kelsey touchdown.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, too. John Johnson left the game, didn't he?
2: Uh, He left the game for like a portion of the third quarter, but he was back in by the end. Okay. Because he was the one that uh, had the blown coverage against Tyreek on the big touchdown.
0: Yes. Just, I'll step in just for my my two cents. Um, just looking at this game as a whole, um, I'm not worried like Mike said about the Browns either. I think there's a lot still to prove for this team this season, and I honestly think they're going to make the playoffs in pretty easy fashion. Yeah. Um, they looked. The thing that stood out to me was how they impressed everyone in the first half. Mm-hmm. Stefanski came out right out of the gate with his scheme, ran the ball down Kansas City's throat, and just had a design that sort of threw off this Kansas City team that doesn't really have too much of a secondary other than Sorensen, and LeJaria Sneed, um, Tyron Matthews as well, obviously him. Just in total, really good first half for Cleveland. The second half didn't do much. Obviously, we saw the comeback, but I'm not too worried about the Browns this season. I think they're you know, still set up for a pretty successful year.
2: So what this game says to me about the Browns is that uh, even though they're probably a division winner, uh, I predicted them to win the division, still feel very confident in that. Uh, Maybe they can win a playoff game, uh, but that's about it. Um, I don't think until Baker Mayfield learns how to either A, close down a game, lock it down against a potential playoff team, or a definite playoff team like the Kansas City Super Bowl contender. Yeah, or able to have that a game winning drive, which he had two opportunities to do so at the end of the game once Kansas City took the lead. Uh, actually, yeah, he had two drives after Kansas City took the lead 33 to 29. Three plays, three yards, ended with a punt, and five plays, 31 yards, and ended with a rushed interception. Uh, so even though I like Baker Mayfield, he had a really good game. Uh, didn't have any passing touchdowns in the air, but that's because Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and all those boys uh, got all the touchdowns on the ground. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, he's still not the quarterback that I would have faith in to bring you to a championship game or to a Super Bowl. Um, he can't beat out guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and, I'll go even to the NFC Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, I'll even throw in Matthew Stafford, any of these guys in a playoff game. Like that's something that's really important. It's not necessary. But just that fall apart in, in the second half for Cleveland and just their inability to do anything to come back into that game after they utterly dominated the Chiefs in that first half. It just it just tells me that they're not the potential championship team that a lot of people tout them as and even though i like cleveland a lot it's it's hard to say but i honestly think it's the truth
1: i would agree with you in saying that because although i've admitted last week that i think the browns have the most complete roster besides the bucks they still worry me i'm not super confident in them like i am some of the other super bowl contenders well, Go ahead.
2: So the Saints, I would argue, have had the most complete roster in the league uh, the prior three years, and they've had Drew Brees under center, and he's at issue throwing the deep ball and getting his team back into the games once they uh, run in a deficit, and they never were able to make it past the NFC Championship. That's kind of where Cleveland's at right now. I would say.
0: If I don't know how to attack this. I've, I, I'm agreeing with both of you guys. I think Baker Mayfield's good. I think he's a solid quarterback. Is he ready for that next step? I don't think so. I, I still see him as a game-managing quarterback that dominates you know, with a run-heavy scheme and can throw up the middle with a solid core, but I just don't see him taking that next step and really leading his team and finishing a game.
2: And That's fine when you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, yeah. But it's not fine when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Or the Baltimore Ravens, or even the Buffalo Bills, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, you're right. 100%. I mean, I think the second half just explains that, you know, not only is finishing a game important, but you sort of have to just stomp on their throats when you have the chance. And I just don't think Baker, not only he didn't, but I just don't think he had it in him to do it. If it was a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, even a Russell Wilson, I still think they go in and they just floor the gas pedal and finish the game where it is. Even Kyler Murray last week saw the Titans down when they were and completely just dominated. All right, Patriots game. Yes. Okay. Diving into the Patriots game. Obviously not the start the Patriots imagined for Mac Jones. Right? You come into this game, you're facing a Miami team that, let's be honest, to a tongue of Iloa. Looked at strong at points last season but didn't really prove that he was the it factor for Miami. So there was question about that. You go into this game with Mac Jones, obviously brand new face for New England's offense. A lot of questions in this total game in Foxborough. At the end of the game, run game, had a couple of mistakes that led to Miami's win. Didn't turn out well for the Pats. I don't know what you guys think but I don't think this is Mac Jones' fault, game one. Obviously there are some Minor fundamental mistakes that need to be cleaned up in New England's team, but overall, I was pretty impressed with what Mac Jones did against the Dolphins.
1: Patriots fans are going to hate me for this. I'm going to say it anyways. Mac Jones, I think they're overrating him a little bit. How they talk about him, they're saying he had a great game. He was fine. He was good. He had a good game, but he wasn't anything spectacular. I mean... I, I don't think he's, I mean, I know he isn't anything spectacular, but he does what he needs to do. Yeah. He's a game manager, and he'll get the job done. Like you said, the um, minor mistakes they need to clean up, few unnecessary roughness calls that were just, I mean, it's right in the, it's right in the word unnecessary. The, that goes into all the penalties, the Damian Harris fumble at the end of the game, which basically was the nail in the coffin to seal the Miami victory. I want to talk about Miami. Tua, a lot a lot of questions with Tua this season. I like him. I like him. I've been trying to root for Tua in, or going into the season. I think he has the weapons to do it. Jalen Waddle showed that he has a great ability. Ben's going to talk about him in a second. Him, you have Devontae Parker, and then you have Will Fuller who's going to be joining the team next week after his suspension I like this Miami team and my the good thing about these two teams being in the same division they're like on the exact same tier in yep. my opinion like they're both defenses strong and offenses questions with the quarterback
2: Yeah, I would honestly say it until like a couple of weeks ago I think most people in the sports industry had them on like the same tier of like nine and eight ten and seven just on that like wild card fringe. It was only recently where the Mac uh, news was like in people's minds for a couple weeks where they kind of boosted the Patriots a little bit more but I completely agree like um, I think the Patriots and the Dolphins are both very competitive teams they will be uh, probably the entire season. Um, I do think the Patriots, They probably should have won that game. Obviously, the two fumbles were big. Yep. Um, Yep. Honestly, people don't even talk about Lamont Stevenson's ones because they were like, "Oh, it wasn't a fumble." Well, it ended
1: up being a fumble, so who cares? Right. Um, Damian Harris's one
2: was big, but he had a really big game. He Uh, did.
1: Three carries, 100
2: yards. Um, James White kind of had a resurgent game, six catches for 49. Uh, Nelson Aguilar and Johnny Smith and uh, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, all these guys had. Uh, really good games to start off their Patriots career so it's a lot of new guys so you know what I can honestly give them a pass for this one I want to give more credit to Miami honestly um Tua doesn't have great numbers uh coming out of this game it was like uh, 16 completions 202 and 1 and 1 one touchdown one pick but he played a lot better than that says um there were a couple throws that Tua really made uh, especially the one to Jalen Waddle. um it was a big like 20 yard play or something a couple big catches to Devontae parker as well um their offense honestly i think it can take another step forward especially if they run the ball a little bit more uh give Miles gaskin a little bit more of an opportunity because uh, him and tua seems to have a good chemistry uh, through the past game so if he can take that next step of the run and their defense is really good it's honestly underrated um uh, Probably their O-line is probably the weakest point, but they still worked with it pretty well. I don't think the Patriots, even though they did upgrade their D-line a little bit as well, they didn't put as many pressures as I thought they would have on them. So, I don't know. It's a very interesting game for two teams that they're kind of in the middle, but they definitely could rise, and uh, Miami came out on top in this one. And I think that seems about right.
0: Let me ask you guys this, and we'll just we'll just throw it out here. If it wasn't for Miami's defense and they just had about the same level, if not a little bit worse than New England's defense, would Tua be able to rise to the occasion? Do you think he should have that defense to rely on? Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I don't know how to answer that.
0: Can you rephrase it? Is Tua a good enough quarterback? Like, is he going to rise to the occasion? Are you
1: saying is he too reliant on the
0: defense? Is he too reliant on the defense? Or is he in a situation where he can step up and sort of say, hey, you guys guys can do your thing. I'm going to do my own and sort of, you know, give you guys less of the pressure.
1: Well, I feel like Miami's defense is in a situation where he can feel comfortable because they were the number one scoring defense in the league. Yep. So I feel like their defense in general will do what they need to. And then he, he'll he come in on the offense and basically be a game manager is how they should play it. I don't really know how to answer that question, though. Ben? I guess,
2: so first of all, I think Miami and New England's defense are pretty comparable. So I don't think it would be like too big of a difference. So I guess if they were just like lower to tier defensive-wise is the way I'll think
1: about it. I thought you were going to say on a tier like Dallas. <laughs> no, not that bad
2: um we really haven't seen it and we really haven't seen enough of Tua. it's only one game but I would like to say I have the confidence to say yes I haven't seen anything to really prove that though I think he might have had a game last season where he did uh, have a comeback drive but I'm not entirely confident in saying that um just in my head and what I believe in, Tua, I do think he could do it, but i I don't want to I don't want to be overly confident on that. Just because, again, he's a second year quarterback. Uh, he didn't even get a full uh, share of the entire season when we started, like nine or ten games, and some of them, Fitzmagic came in too late, so it's really hard to judge. But I'll say no. I guess, uh,
0: I guess I'll say no, that uh, he isn't reliant on the defense. Okay. I just wasn't sure, you know, what you guys' thoughts were in terms of is he ready to make that next step yet and sort of be less reliant on the defense and more reliant on, you know, his own skill set.
1: Well, I think his him hitting his next step is inevitable, personally, just sure. just yep. due to the weapons he has on offense and because he has the full keys to the car yep. offensively. Because... I'm thinking specifically last year. I forget who they were playing. But Tua was started the game, and then they took him out, and they had Fitzpatrick play the last drive. That comeback drive. I forget who that was against. The Raiders. Um. So he, he wasn't really like... He wasn't given the opportunity. Exactly. Because they didn't trust him. Right. And now the fact that he has the keys to the offense with the weapons that I, I like. I think it's inevitable.
2: And Fuller, and uh, this will where I'll talk about Waddle. Yep. Um, four for sixty-one and a touchdown. Not anything too explosive, but it was something to like. When he made a catch, you noticed it. Like he, you can see something with him, and that's a good thing because we've seen uh, a decent amount of the wide receivers uh, from the past couple draft classes bust. We've seen obviously a few pop off. Justin Jefferson, to be specific. Um, as a main one, but Waddle had a good game. Um, Will Fuller is another big one. He had an amazing 12-game uh, stretch with Deshaun Watson last season. Obviously, we have to see what the steroids or whatever performance enhancing drug he did take have to do with that. Um, hopefully, it didn't have anything to do with uh, him being able to stay healthy and play a good uh, role in that offense, but those two players really seem to be the ones that could unlock Tua uh, to that next level just because of, he was kind of used to having that in Alabama. So now he kind of has that once again. It's not going to be a, as an aggressive offense, but it's still very interesting to see. That's that's why I had more confidence in Tua uh, than I did at the end of last season.
1: I feel like the thing about Jalen Waddle, even if he isn't having a good game, they have two really good... Other pieces in Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, where even if he's just out there, not even getting receptions, he will get attention. So he'll draw attention away from the other guys. So even if he doesn't have a big statistical game, I feel like that'll still be beneficial for Miami.
0: I'm on the same mindset. So do I want to jump in a stand session? We're at like 45 minutes. Ravens Raiders.
2: Oh, bears, we'll talk about Bears, Rams, and Raiders, and then we'll wrap it up. How does that sound?
0: Great.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll
2: uh, Bears, Rams. Uh, okay. So, we'll, I guess we'll hop into the two uh, big games in Sunday night and Monday night, but we'll start off with Sunday night, the debut of, drum roll please, Gender- Manhunter- Kay- no, 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 no. Andy Dalton, let's go, baby. Oh. bears Oh, and Matthew Stafford, too. He- mm. um, big breakout win for the Rams, 34-14 win over the Bears, and it was very dominant. And At the head of it all was Matthew Stafford. Uh, Sean McVay gets his new guy, and he immediately performs Stafford at a really good game. Um, 321 yards and three touchdowns, um, really connecting with guys like Cooper Cup. Even Van Jefferson um had a good game as well and uh yeah, just a very interesting game to look, look back on as uh, Stafford really uh jumped onto the scene and met people's expectations, I think.
0: Yeah, I I I don't think it's hard to tell that Matt Stafford belongs in this offense. Obviously you saw in Detroit last season, had some issues with the way they were performing. Didn't have the right pieces to work with. Didn't he, he almost had to force his way for the offense to succeed. Now that he's in the Rams offense with the keys to the car, so many options to choose from. He has Tyler Higby now as a solo tight end with Gerald Everett going to Seattle. You mentioned Cooper Cup had a fantastic game. Had that big touchdown bomb with Stafford towards the later portions against the Bears. Robert Woods as well. Van Jefferson, like you mentioned. This offense is tailor-made for Matt Stafford. He doesn't have to force his way through. He can sort of just use his weapons, you know, as he needs them, go down the field and just produce the way we know Matt Stafford can. So, to me, this game shows that this Rams offense is going to be ridiculously powerful with Matt Stafford. And even on the
1: other side of the ball, Matt Stafford is going from the Detroit Lions defense, who were ranked last in the league defensively, to now the team that was ranked number one defensively, the Rams. So even when he is off the field, he can at least rely on his defense knowing that he has a more than competent defense to basically hold that lead or hold the score up for the offense.
2: And the way I look at Stafford is, and I'll include Sean McBann in this, because I think those two in their dynamic uh, going ahead is going to be honestly rivaling those of uh, Brady and Arians. Potentially, Mahomes um, and Reed talking just about the season here and maybe over the next couple seasons but this offense and their connection uh, between head coach and quarterback, it honestly seems like a match made in heaven. Uh, Stafford really didn't have any trouble against his Bears defense which is pretty solid, it's like middle of the pack, nothing too special but it's no pushover especially with guys like Mack on the D-line and everything but yeah, I guess uh, just something to, something that I was concerned about with the Rams was their run game. Uh, and honestly, seems like Darrell Henderson uh, has that under lock. He got uh, out of the 18 touches out of the backfield. 16 of them went to him for 70 yards and a touchdown. Honestly, worked into the passing game as well with a couple catches. Uh, Sony Michelle only got one touch, so it seems like Henderson is going to be the lead back clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did a good, really good job. I guess that Sean McVay's confidence in him. Uh, was true, and uh, that's honestly a good thing. I guess we can transition over to the Bears now, and, oh man, I, I can't talk about this straight up. because I'll, I'll just start on rant, so go ahead, guys.
0: Um, I'll start with the Bears. Um, I, I really don't know where to start here. I mean, I guess we can start out with a good thing, and that's with the run game. David Montgomery solidifying himself as... One of the better backs in this league. Had himself a solid game. I believe he had a, a touchdown in the later half as well. So yep. a really solid performance at a, you know, David Montgomery, Terry Cohen as well. He's solid. Not what people expected him to be coming right out of the gate when he entered the league, but still a nice compliment to Montgomery. But this is pretty much his own backfield. Wide receiving game. Wasn't a huge fan of it, the way Dalton you know used the situation. Obviously, there's a lot to like with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, but they just weren't used properly against the Rams' defense. Um, Cole Komet still has some untapped potential, but like we said in the Rams game, just didn't see it at all. Um, and this defense, I think it's starting to show a little bit more of, you know, why they're missing guys like your Adrian Amos, who left a couple of years ago, your Kyle Fuller, who just went to Denver. They're starting it's to lose guys. Yeah, exactly. It's They're just losing guys slowly, but it's really starting to show in this defense. The only two guys right now that rather we will make it three guys that – a really prominent left in this defense are obviously Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and Eddie Jackson. Those are the only three guys, in my eyes, that really stand out for Chicago.
1: Other Roquan Smith over Eddie Jackson.
0: That's also a nice one because so we'll Eddie Jackson
1: had his, what was he, an All Pro two years ago? Yep. And ever since then, he's been kind of he's been he's been mids. Michael, I think I think your point's correct talking about the defense because the defense is getting older. They have Roquan Smith, who's young. They have Jalen Johnson, who is going into a second year, who looked promising in his rookie season. But after that, you have Khalil Mack, who's what thirty, almost thirty. Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, Deshaun Gibson. A bunch of their starters are getting older. I forgot they
0: had Deshaun the Gibson. Wow.
1: And I don't know. I I really don't know the future of the Bears defense and how they go about it.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than the fact that what we thought was going to be a defensive heavy three or four years ago is now starting to turn to when Justin Fields does take over more of an offensive side of the team
2: yeah let's talk about Fields for a second here oh, excuse me um, Fields did get his first touchdown um, in a rushing sense and Matt and Aggie, man, I man I just have a question why is, uh, why is Justin Fields not your starter Andy Dalton, 27 for 38, 206, with no touchdowns and one interception. That interception was on the first drive, where David Montgomery ripped off a 46 or 42-yard, excuse me, run to lead the game. They got a couple of first downs to get themselves in the red zone. The first throw that Andy Dalton makes is an interception that uh, is deflected off another Rams defender. So two opportunities, and they end up getting the pick. So right off the bat, you uh, see that Andy Dalton is not. Um, not the man. He is straight up not the man. Um, no offense to the guy, but when you have Marquise Goodwin as your lead receiver, and you have guys like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, and they're both—they both have five-plus catches. Uh, Allen Robinson has six, and their A-dot, their average depth of target is around five or six. When both of those guys I would consider deep ball players and willing to get the 50-50 ball, um, it's not great. It's honestly just in a sense where David Montgomery, like you mentioned, Brett, had an amazing game and a third-year player out of Iowa State, finally getting uh, his due diligence. He had a really good stretch at the end of last season coming off a week eight or nine injury, I believe. Um, he was dealing with an injury the middle weeks. He comes back into this glorious run game where um, he was facing teams like the Texans uh, the Lions, the Packers uh, some really bad run defenses and absolutely shredded through them and then he comes in week one people kind of concerned because uh, he's playing in the Rams absolutely tortures them uh, literally on the first place so I'm glad to see him come back um, but Matt man, if you're going to keep Andy Dalton as your quarterback for the next couple weeks learn how to use your offensive weapons Make sure you're using Allen Robinson to the fullest of his potential. As you know, I get aggravated when you don't. David Montgomery was targeted once out of the backfield. He is a very good uh, pass-catching back. Literally, when Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, were, either of them were the starter, he was getting averaged like three or four targets a game. You get him one, unbelievable. And then Damian Williams is getting more touches in the second half um, in drives where you're down. Uh, considering him the like, pass back. Just weird, man. But I thought Matt Nagy could kind of improve here and kind of get a gauge on his offense a little bit. Since they did improve uh, kind of at the end of last season, they were putting up 30 points pretty consecutively, except that last game against the Packers. But, man, this is just a rough, <laughs> rough one. For this is my brutal. My prediction here for them to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, this is bad. And when are they going to decide to start Justin Fields? I
2: honestly don't know. Like them, them choosing him to run the run package on what was it, like the five or six in the red zone? Yep. Like they're using him for that. That's that's literally how I thought Kyle Shannon would use Trey Lance. Even Kyle Shannon didn't mess up like that.
0: I I thought you have to imagine the is going to be short. If he if Andy Dalton pulls a stunt like he did Week One against the Rams. You have to imagine Fields is in at least week four or week five. He's already shown that, you know, in the red zone, he can score with the plays that he's given. Um, obviously, take it with a grain of salt from what you saw week one. But if Andy Dolan, you know, performs the way he did against the Rams, obviously it's the number one defense. But come on though, You have to start Fields at some point. There
2: in time. genuinely has to be something there. Or why they're not starting Fields. Behind the scenes, whatever it is, because it's not like the Niners situation where they have a contract committed to Jimmy Garoppolo, right. so they want to see that out. You have a one-year deal with Andy Dalton.
1: That's so what I'm saying.
2: Like, that, that doesn't make sense.
1: Justin Fields is your future plan. And the only thing that, um, because everyone's wondering why Justin Fields isn't starting, I want to tell myself it's because when Andy Dalton was signed, he was promised the quarterback one spot, but the more the weak squad it doesn't make sense in my head.
2: To the exactly. Listen. To
0: exactly. Roll with the a bit. Right. He was promised quarterback one spot. He got it. Nowhere in that promise did he say he could keep it the entire season. If you don't play up to the expectations of your contract, exactly. Nagy has every right to cut you or bench you. So if Justin Fields looks like the guy in practice, he looks like the guy in game, Cut Andy Dalton, Bench him. Whatever you need to do to get Justin Fields in, do it. Because if he's not playing to the extent of his contract, there's no need to keep him as QB1. No need. In their upcoming schedule, I'm
1: looking at it right now, they have some tough matchups coming up, including within like the first half of the season, they have the Browns, Raiders, Packers, Bucks, Niners, Steelers, Ravens. There are a few
2: defenses yeah. that will kind of test them a little bit. <laughs> And if it's like, it's not even like what they were doing last season when they were starting Trubisky over Foles. And yeah, Trubisky was winning games, but he wasn't having great games. He was still winning them games. Andy Dalton, the way that he played yesterday, or I'm sorry, Sunday, I uh, will not win you
1: games. I'm gonna so say right bad. now. I'm gonna say right now. I would rather Mitch Trubisky in this offense over Andy Dalton. I completely. Yeah, agree. I'm. I'm on the same I'm mindset actually. Agree. Just due to the comfortability and the experience he's had with the players in the offense, if you know you're not gonna roll with Andy Dalton after signing him, after drafting Justin Fields, they should have just kept Mitch Trubisky either on a small on a one year deal or if they want to sign him long term for small money and trade him away.
2: They signed Dalton
0: before they drafted.
1: I understand that, but I'm just saying
0: if your mindset was to go and draft a quarterback into the draft I, anyway, then why why get rid of Trubisky? I don't
1: think they knew they that opportunity I think
0: Yeah, it that's understandable. Pick eleven. Pick 11 because they traded up, yeah. 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 Right, so let's move into the last game that we have here. Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders. An overtime shootout between the two sides. Your man Brian Edwards almost had an over thirty yard touchdown to win the game, but was called short at the one yard line. Brian
2: Edwards, A.K.A. Terrell Owens. Thanks for the comp, John Gruden.
0: A.K.A. Devonte Adams. Thanks for the thanks for the comp, Derek Carr. <laughs> but yeah, this this Raiders team surprised a lot of people in the sense that they kept up with Baltimore the entire way through. I don't think a lot of people saw that defense applying a lot of pressure to Lamar Jackson, keeping him within the pocket. Carl Nassib, uh, Max Crosby as well, did a really good job containing Lamar and not allowing him to get a lot of yards within certain plays. So John Gruden's defense, give a lot of credit to him with Gus Bradley. See it how it is week one, but it's an impressive win for the Raiders to start.
2: Yeah, I'm going to keep it a buck. This is all on the Ravens. There is no reason that they shouldn't have won this game. Derek Carr was absolutely atrocious in the first half and even going into the third quarter. He was completing less than 50% of his passes. He ends up with 435 yards and a couple touchdowns as well. Josh Jacobs and the run game, literally absent. Marcus Mariota almost averaged more or (laughs) almost had more yards than Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs had 10, 10 carries for 34 Marcus Mariota had one carry for 31. Jeez. So, Josh Jacobs was not great. But guess what? He had two touchdowns, so that's what matters. And the Ravens' defense allowed, it, allowed them to come back into this game. And it's the same thing with the Baker situation that I was talking about with the Browns. Mm-hmm. Lamar allowed them to come back into this game. The defense wasn't helping anything, but he was not putting up drives where he was putting up points. There was a couple field goals in there, but... It's just another situation where you have to be worried about if Lamar Jackson can be the guy that really leads you on a game-winning drive. I know he had the field goal to uh, tie things up a couple times and then the uh, touchdown back and forth. Uh, So he was doing that as well, but also he had the key fumble that gave the ball back even after the Ravens picked him off in the red zone after the Brian Edwards touchdown was reversed, which a big sadger on that one. Um, but yeah, it's all on the Ravens on this one. But I'll give credit to uh, John Gruden and his team. They always they always play with such grit, and it's so weird. Yeah, a lot of people were just trashing on this team, but hey, man, uh, Darren Waller in the squad keeping it a buck.
1: And I like how they use Kenyon Drake as well in the passing game. Absolutely, yeah. Good point. Just adds another little receiving weapon, kind of using him like a... or they are using him as a passing back. I just want to talk about Lamar for a second. Lamar due for a contract. It's it's tough. It's tough for me because Lamar obviously form MVP of the league. A great, great talent at the quarterback position. If you pay him what he would deserve or what he would get, how far can him as the quarterback take the Ravens because if he isn't a Super Bowl player or you can't trust him deep into the playoffs you don't want to pay him what he's going to get and that's a tough thing
2: I think that's the exact reason why he doesn't have a contract now They're seeing... that's why the Bills even though I think it's still like up for debate I think that's why the Bills gave Josh Allen that contract way earlier than people were expecting it because they believe that he can take a little bit more of a jump from his last season's jump, and is able to kind of rectify the mistakes he made against the Chiefs and be able to be a game-winning type quarterback, and Super Bowl-winning type quarterback.
0: Yeah, if I'm looking at this, I, I agree with both of you. I think if you look at Lamar Jackson as a whole, obviously hasn't gone too deep in the playoffs in any part of his career. If you're going to pay this guy near $300 million, you want someone that's going to at least give you a shot at a Super Bowl.
1: That's my point.
0: If Eric DaCosta is going to come out and give Lamar Jackson this kind of money, you have to expect him to have MVP caliber football. Right. If he's not playing at that you know, level and he's making those costly mistakes at the end of games to fumble against the Ravens, like, why are you going to pay him $300 million? That's not what he deserves. At
2: I'm sorry, Brett. It feels bad, man, because I'm looking right yeah. at the eyes of the Ravens. So <laughs> yeah. had a couple buddies in here while we're recording, and our buddy Andrew, uh, he's been a loyal friend of the podcast uh, going back a little bit, and he is a sad Ravens fan. We were watching the game with him last night, and unfortunately, uh, Brett and I had to celebrate when the Raiders won. So,
1: Hey, shout-out Alex, too. Shout-out Alex. Shout-out Alex, yeah. But, yeah. I I mean, I love Lamar Jackson as a quarterback, as a person, super humble and down-to-earth guy. It's just tough, though. Like you mentioned, Brett, giving him all that money for...
0: For what? A first or second round exit. wild-card divisional round type of play. Like, you can't do that. To me, Josh Allen. You give him just under $300 million. That is Super Bowl contending money. You know Josh Allen can take you that far. You know he has the ability to compete with Lamar. Uh, Patrick Mullins, excuse me.
2: I would say still think.
0: As far as how far he can go?
2: Yeah, we saw that game against the Chiefs last year. He kind of crumbled. He did have a very
0: good game against the Ravens. Yeah. Or a good game. You know, if they're that confident he can make the jump, I think it's worth the money. If he plays the way he does in the regular season and translates it this year deep into the playoffs with the team that he has, it's worth the money. But if he plays like you said, Ben, like he did at the end of the AFC Championship game, like he did against the Texans two years ago in the wild card. It's wow. not worth the money. That was not. That's a different Josh Allen. I only bring him up briefly because that's a dark time for him. But.
2: I'll say for Lamar, like, I think if there was a team to like fix him and get him into a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, I think it would be the Ravens because they already kind of suit him uh, to their best advantage. They're trying to make him pass a little bit more obviously worked for the first I would say like quarter and a half uh, they really kind of put the pedal to the metal against the Raiders but kind of just slowed down after that point just because I felt like they were trying to force it with him a little bit too much rather than him playing his own game. I think that's honestly been what they've been doing the past couple years with Lamar and he really just needs to get back to where he was uh, during his MVP season which is just allow him to be himself and kind of, if he needs to run out of the pocket, let's do it, bro, because it Mm. worked out for them.
1: Right, and the thing, like you mentioned, Baltimore is the best spot for him. In his rookie year, when he was named the starter in the second half of the year, they completely changed their offense to suit him. Oh, yeah, 100%.
2: And that's when they started winning games without Joe Black.
1: Right. So, I agree with your point there, but the problem is he has to improve and... He does have better weapons once Rashad Bateman comes back, which is the first-round receiver out of Minnesota that they drafted. So if he can get more or better weapons than Hollywood and Willie Sneed, it's a plus-plus. It's a win-win for Lamar. Yeah?
2: All right, so before we get into our last segment, we're going to actually go through uh, kind of some of the major injuries that kind of happened during the week. Honestly, could have been a lot worse of a slate, but we'll kind of just go through it real quick, and then uh, I'll just throw out a couple of questions to you fellas. Uh, we'll go with Raheem Mostert first. Uh, it was already mentioned he's uh, suffered a knee injury. He's actually undergoing arth- arthroscopic knee surgery, which will keep him out the rest of the season. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is next. He suffered a hip subluxation, which will... Put him on IR, it's not confirmed yet uh, whether he will be out for the entire season, but it's a situation where the ball joint is out on the hip. uh, So it's actually going to take, at the very least, a couple months. Um, Taylor Heineke's in at quarterback right now. They added a couple guys to the practice squad, but it seems like Heineke's job for the time being.
1: Uh, I just want to jump in. The timetable that Washington gave for Fitzpatrick, is a six to eight week recovery time, okay. obviously depending on how he heals and recovers and everything. But go ahead, Ben.
2: Yeah, no worries. Um, I'll go over to Oh Brett. <laughs> Judy, man.
0: He is out less though than you said originally, four to six weeks.
2: I'll say this: so they say four to six weeks, but honestly, for him to fully get back to where he was at Sunday's point uh, before the injury, it's honestly going to be eight weeks. It's going to be a couple months. Um, He might be coming back uh, in six weeks and might be able to get on field and everything, but he will not be as explosive. He will still have hesitations in making his full cuts and everything. He will not be as confident to make his routes as flawless, almost flawless, as they were previously. So that is a big concern. Oh, like, are looking at me with those brown eyes.
1: thank you wow man. and e- <laughs> yeah. even when he comes back, who knows if there's going to be a mental thing in his game because he relies so much he's a great route runner, he relies so much on the cuts that that affects a player mentally too For when sure. they come back from a especially an it's ankle the, injury
0: It's the same thing with turf toe if you don't have confidence in the way you cut and the way you run your routes and the way you are uh, Able to perform every route, and it's going to be an issue mentally. Like I right. say, turf toe. Obviously, it's a very common thing that NFL players deal with. I believe one of them, uh, to be example, I believe it was Donald Driver that dealt with it. You know, for years in his career, Antonio Gibson had it last. Has as well, yeah. It's just something that lingers on. If you're, if you don't have confidence in yourself to make the cut and aggravate the turf toe less and less, you're going to sort of have to change up your game a little bit, and that's something that obviously you don't want to see Jerry Judy do.
2: Yeah, my one concern there is that they rush him back too quickly, especially if they get off to a hard start. Uh, they went 1-0 and against the Giants this week. Not a big one as Brett is. So, uh, happy about that one. They beat the Giants. So, calm down a little <laughs> bit. Wow. Um, but if they rush him back too quickly, uh, that's going to be a big concern for re-injury. Look at Michael Thomas and kind of his injury recovery from suffering something of a high ankle sprain week one of last season, and he's still dealing with different leg injuries. So yeah. just a concern there. Yeah. I just
0: don't – oh, sorry to interrupt, but I just don't think they need to uh, rush him. They still have three solid receivers plus two tight ends they can rely on. You still have Cordon Salton, who's back 100% healthy. Yep. You have Tim Patrick. You have KJ Hamler who's now taking first-team reps. You have Albert O and Noah Fanish, your two tight ends. You have a solid backfield. Yes, it sucks that Jerry Judy's gone, and he's not there to help out. But they'll be okay for the meantime. Tim Patrick stepped up a little bit last year. You know what he's capable of. Cortland Sutton, obviously you saw a lot, a little bit of his ceiling with Drew Locke back half of 2019 before he was really injured. You have KJ Hamler, showed some flashes of you know being a threat for the deep ball. This team, I still think is okay. It stinks that he's gone they can survive for the meantime.
2: Wow. I really can't tell that you're a Broncos fan. We'll move on though. Uh, we actually didn't get to cover this. I don't believe last episode. So I wanted to add in real quick because it only happened a few hours before um, Thursday night football. Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters both under uh, torn ACLs. They will both be out for the season. So one of the reasons why Derek Carr was able to torch them up so bad in the second half is uh, lack of Marcus Peterson uh, Tyson Williams will be taking on the lead back role uh, so far uh, that we've seen for the Ravens actually had a pretty good game last night um, we'll go over to a recent injury from the Cowboys Michael Gallup he uh, suffered a cap injury during the game uh, actually got taken out during the third quarter he is supposed to miss three to five weeks here uh, so it looks to be uh, Dalton Schultz uh, taking a little bit of a bigger role. Also, Blake Jarwin. Uh, so, a, a couple of the tight ends to take bigger roles as well. Who's the third wide receiver for the Cowboys? I'm missing his name right now.
1: Gallup? Oh, you think well, of Cedric, it was Gallop, um,
0: gonna... Cedric something? It's.
2: Was uh, it Cedric Wilson? Yes, that's Cedric exactly what it
0: Cedric Wilson.
2: I'll make sure of this. Um, yeah, it is Cedric Wilson. It's a good one on that. Uh, he was wearing one, so I was like. Why is he wearing more
0: I honest. gotta be honest with you guys. Just a random tidbit: these single digits first week threw me off so much. Off, I yeah, I do too. Yeah.
2: Like my boy DJ Moore wearing two.
1: <laughs> you know who else wears two? Zach Wilson. Diami season. Yeah,
2: that's never gonna
1: happen. You wait, Diami season's coming.
2: It was with its Magic, maybe. It's going to be tough with Heineke, bro. I'm, yeah. I'm so wary about McLaurin and Gibson. Not Gibson, actually. I'm worried about McLaurin and, like, Logan Thomas and those
1: guys. Gibson's going to be the security blanket for Heineke. Sure. Like,
2: one of the things I was most happy about from that Washington game was Antonio Gibson had a full workload. Like, for the first time, he... 20 rushes. I think he had, like, uh, like a 25% target share, um, like, amongst, like from Heikey and everything. I know he had like three or four catches. One of those things sounds wrong, but we'll just keep going. Um, Marshawn Lattimore um, just got the big five-year extension from the Saints. Uh, Immediately chips a bone in his thumb. (laughs) Uh, He's likely going to be out for a couple games, maybe a little bit more. Not sure when he's able to get back into the game action. Brett, we're going to miss him here week week three.
0: Yeah, I know. We're, We're... We're going to be there, but hey, listen—it's a plus. It's a plus.
2: If any of y'all are going to the Patriots Saints game, Brent and I are going to be at the tippy top of Gillette Stadium.
0: So wow! To
1: there. Top of Mount Everest, dog. Exactly, bro. Hey, at least we got to see Bradley Roby, CB1, That's true, I guess.
0: former Bronco. I have to like him.
1: Oh, of course. He's the goat. Texans legend.
2: Yeah, but Marshall and going to miss a couple games there. Uh, Jeff Okuda.
0: Uh, oh, tough. He's That's there. tough. He is going
2: to be out for the season, so already weak. Uh, Lions defense going to be even weaker. The former third overall pick, I believe, it was a couple years back. Yeah. Um, just not gotten it going. It's been injuries, but overall just not good play as well. Yeah. Who's the one that got torched on that Debo Samuel? Yeah, it was him.
1: A, that was him. Did he get injured on
2: that play? I really
0: hope not. I that not might be the, like if that, that was the situation, that might be the biggest blunder of Jeff Okuda's I career. I don't
2: think he got injured on that play. I I've seen it uh, cuz I don't deal Samuel in a fantasy league, but I don't I don't think that was the case, but I was just curious.
1: I yeah, I'm not positive when the injury happened exactly. But
2: that's just another pick by the Lions, in, like the far, first like 10 picks or so that they get. That just kind of wasting away at this point because Achilles
1: there for a corner it's tough That's tough. yep I mean I'm still obviously still rooting for Jeff Okuda because I liked him coming out of Ohio State he, he had a good camp first game was rough but I mean we'll have to wait another year to
0: see him again which is tough sitch tough sitch for sure before we sorry cut you off real quick speaking of that point you know who did show up for the first time in two years, though, that I know you're a fan of? Go ahead. Derwin James. Oh, my God. I know you're a, you're a Bolt fan over there. How would you feel about Darwin James coming back after back-to-back missed seasons? I loved it.
1: As long as he can stay healthy, he is a top, corner, or a top safety in there this league. Um, he just adds an element to the Chargers' defense that is kind of incomplete, and they're kind of lacking when he isn't there.
2: I mean, they kept McLaurin
1: out of that, like, yeah. deep, like, 30,
2: 40, except for that, one like, unbelievable catch
1: That was out. crazy.
2: Um, but they kept him out of, like, throwing any deep balls. Like, there was the one to... Diami Season.
1: Diami Season. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure
2: he was helping in coverage there, but uh, they didn't really allow any of the deep balls, which... <laughs> I don't think Taylor Heineke is going to be in unleashed for many uh, this season
1: anyways. Uh, well, Taylor Heineke did give the Buccaneers the toughest matchup in the playoffs he's last not, season. He's not wrong.
2: All right, so we're going to go off on tangent here. <laughs> um, I had this discussion with a couple people at lunch today, and I genuinely don't believe Taylor Heineke is as good as people think he is. I understand, yes, he had that great game against Tampa Bay. Oh, my goodness. He gave Tom Brady the uh, biggest shot of losing in the entire playoffs, honestly, after week 12, Um, and okay, but he also had a very good defense supporting him, which was keeping Brady at bay pretty much in that second half. I don't know if they scored more than one touchdown in that second half, Um, and he's got amazing skill position players, Uh, in Gibson, McLaurin, um, and... Obviously, they had some more guys, so I'm trying to think of what they had last year. But when he those comes two back. guys are big. Logan Thomas as well. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. I don't I don't buy into the life too much. Honestly, I'm unfortunately considering the Cowboys to be equal favorites with them uh, in
1: the division. Now. At this point, yeah, after yeah. Dallas's performance and Heineke starting. And like you mentioned about Heineke, would you say him being kind of overrated?
2: A little bit. I think the general public thinks that... Since he had such a good game against Brady and the Bucks, all the Super Bowl champs, like they're taking it a little bit too far. And he had re- one really good game,
1: but that's it. And I agree with you because it's such a small sample size. And what I don't like is that the Wash Washington said they're they're not looking to bring anyone in, which I don't know if I'm a fan of because it's Heineke and Kyle Allen behind him and Kyle Shermer,
0: Pat Schirmer's son. They just signed him. So. There
1: really is no backup plan inside inside of the team if Heineke doesn't work out. So
0: the thing that bothers me, yes, Taylor Heineke had a flashy game against the Bucs. Is that enough to start him? Sure, maybe you start him a game or two. The thing that bothers me is Cam Newton is literally sitting. Just sitting there, a free agency for the football team to pick up as a solid QB option. Yes, it's a different style offense than what they play, but I'd rather have the veteran experience in Newton than a guy that still has a lot of questions to be answered. Well,
2: I'll add this right away. I don't know if the contract situation has been resolved with camp, so he had to be like either like a couple weeks during the season off on the market for his contract to be dissolved, and he'd sign with the Patriots before other teams could sign him for it whatever they wanted to so that might be a situation there but honestly I don't think Heineke to Newton um, would be that big of a difference especially because he has to learn a completely new offense in limited time
1: I mean no matter who they bring in or if they roll with Heineke it's kind of going to be tough until Fitzpatrick gets back you know who wouldn't be tough Diami season
2: no for quarterbacks, go ahead. He was inactive this week.
0: Deshaun Watson. If okay, if we're gonna go down this rabbit hole, this is a whole can of worms no, that you're we'll just opening up right. here. I'm just gonna bring them up. Wow, uh, we'll
2: go back into the injuries. We got three
0: more. You know, I would love that. You know, I would love that. And Henry, that... either
2: Washington and San Fran. That's ooh,
0: magnificent. Just to just to end it here, one last thing. If you go for Watson, that means you have to give up one of your favorite players on the line. That's either Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, or Jared, Jared, Jamin Davis. I don't know why I couldn't think of him. So not doing that? No, there's not a chance. I'm just saying if they did. Is
1: Jeron Payne on the line? Becton. Oh, Beautiful player so, sad. Oh, yeah,
0: so sad.
1: Yeah, I saw this. Dislocated his
2: kneecap.
1: And you said his name wrong. Big Mackay, (laughs)
2: Big Mackay Out of (laughs) Highland Springs High School
1: Um, Wow
2: He's going to miss four to six weeks He actually just underwent surgery on that knee So it might be a little bit longer But four to six weeks is the time frame That we were given yesterday Uh, Another Broncos player Oh beautiful for the Broncos One of the Broncos You should be so happy Uh, Ronald Darby uh, Out with a hamstring injury He was placed on IR Uh, Timetable is up in the air currently.
0: Three weeks. There we go. Three weeks. Uh, Look,
1: the Broncos expert over here. Yes, sir.
2: Kyle Fuller is going to be the man now, and uh, your uh, number nine overall pick will play his natural position. So,
0: yeah. so Pat oh, I Sertan, love it. They've already said Pat Shermer, uh, Adam Pat Shermer, Adam Schefter came out and said that Pat Sertan will slide up to the number two outside slot. So it'll be um, what appears to be. On the outside, with Kyle Fuller and Pat Sertan, and on the slot, it's me, Michael Ujimudia. Yeah,
2: is that where uh, in the slot is that where he played week one?
0: That's Sertan, where Sertan was. It was sort of yeah. It was that mix between him and Ojimudia because Kerry Vincent, who they drafted in the twenty twenty one draft, he was out inactive. So
2: very interesting, very interesting. And then our last one here uh, just announced the other day: Jason Verrett has a torn ACL. He will be out for the entire season. So it was supposed to be, was he
0: cornerback one? Cornerback he one, He wasn't yeah. that cornerback one. Not a great cornerback one, but no. a very good player. Now it's Josh Norman. Yes. Uh... <laughs> that's exactly what every fan in the Bay is thinking right now. And
1: that's, that goes into my point when early when we were talking about <laughs> that game, I'm not confident in the secondary, but we already went over that. So
2: Yeah, shout out to JC7. Uh, for the Niners, uh, their secondary is actually cuckoo now. Now nah, they're nah, they're fine. But we'll actually move on to our final point of the uh, podcast here. And it's a new favorite here. It's going to be a new segment here. See how it sticks. Uh, Brett, uh, you want to introduce it here, my
1: friend?
0: Absolutely. Uh, so we are going to do a brand new segment here on 3 Now. It's called Brett's Stands Session. What is it? Strictly, a stand? Brett. What is a, a stan, you might be asking? Well,
2: horrible word. It should never be used in such extreme nature. Wow.
1: Really brutal culture. Created by rap legend.
2: So just to give some context here for Brett's stan session, Brett is someone that uses the word stan really for anything. If you, if, you like anything uh, if you like grilled cheese sandwiches, he will call you a grilled cheese sandwich stand. If you liked uh, that... Diami Brown caught a 15-yard pass. He will call you a Diami Brown.
0: Diami season. You're a stan of making fun of me for the fact they say stan. And that's exactly what <laughs> <the point. Yeah.
2: laughs> he decided to make a segment out of it. stan session, so he's going to go over some of his stands uh, from this week, and then Mike and I will give some of our stands as well, even though we're not stands, but
1: we just like. Oh, I get a big stand, dog. I get a big oh. stand.
0: So, I'm going to start with this one. Bit of a quirky one, but I think it could pan out towards the middle half and towards the end of the season this year. Juwan Johnson, the tight end for the Saints. I really like the way he played and the chemistry he had with Jameis Winston. Obviously, a lot of people know him as the TikTok star, Saints tight end that sort of came up through the rankings after um, what appeared to be an open slot this year with Adam Schrodinger. I didn't even know he was on
2: TikTok, to be honest with
0: you. Oh, yeah. uh, Juwan, Juwan. You need to look it up. You need to. I'm
2: sad. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's disappointing. Um, but, yes, going all along with my point, Adam Trobman was appearing to be the tight end one, but looking into how they played against the Packers, it looks like it's has more of a rotation with Juwan Johnson as sort of the helm of that group. Um, had two touchdowns with Jameis Winston. I absolutely think that he's going to have a lot more targets in the red zone with Jameis, and if they continue to form that chemistry throughout the season, I definitely think uh, we'll put it into fantasy perspective He could be considered a tight end one in fantasy. Wow. Michael. My
1: stand, you know I'm going defensive. My first stand is Chandler Jones. Five sacks for the man? Five sacks, two forced fumbles, absolute pressure on Ryan Tannehill. Six QB hits, five sacks, two forced fumbles. The man could double for the rest of the season. Five sacks for the rest of the season. And he had a good season. Could he be coming for stray hands record 22 and a half sacks in the year? I guess we'll find out. He'd have to get like a sack a game, but yep. Chandler Jones is my first Brett Stan session.
0: So here you go. Michael is officially a Chandler Jones Stan.
1: Oh, uh, it's beneficial, dog.
0: <laughs> Benjamin, who is the guy that you are picking to stand?
1: So thankfully,
2: I'm picking... Uh, couple people that I'm actually fans of, so you can call me a stand, the first one, oh my goodness, I am a Jalen Hurts stand, my goodness, hey. <laughs> for I know he plays the Falcons, but I'll give you stats right quick, 7 for 35, that's a completion percentage of just over 77% of his passes, Six, 264 passing yards, 3 touchdowns, no picks, no picks, and 62 yards on the ground, he was beautiful, he, I... I understand he tore up the Falcons, who honestly might be one of the worst teams in the NFL after what we saw the Eagles do to them, but my God, Jalen Hurts, he's making me really happy. I'm glad that he honestly has the chance of being, and I I don't want to put this lightly, but he could be Lamar 2.0, where people don't think he can be a starting quarterback in the league, and he proves it with uh, both a dynamic arm and the dynamic uh, ability on the ground. Uh, Kyler Murray as well, so that's my first stand. Unbelievable game for uh, not only Jalen Hurts, but the entire Eagle, Eagles offense. But I'll s- circle Jalen Hurts as my stand
0: pick. I'll, I'll pick another stand here. I'm a Daniel Carlson stand, the kicker for the oh Las Vegas God, Raiders.
1: Brett.
0: <laughs> Listen, if we're going to make this our first kicker. stand session, you got to go out with a bang. Brett's obsessed with kickers. Listen, you don't got to go that far. You are. There's nothing wrong with Daniel Carlson. <laughs> you have to Just appreciate. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Listen. I'll go. <laughs>
2: Just go. Just go before you kill Mike.
0: <laughs> Mike is dying over here. Put this in the context. But Daniel Carlson had a great game against the Baltimoreans. Had a, lo- a couple field goals over 45 yards. <laughs> and now, okay. See, this is this is exactly the point that I'm making. Kickers just don't get the love that they should. No, I mean I mean Daniel Carlson he had a great kick, but No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Listen. The man had a couple great kicks over 45 yards and the fact that he was under pressure Okay. You know what? No, I'm done. No, we're done. Cross off Daniel Carlson on my stand list. This is over. Well, I mean if we're, I mean
1: my my next stand is kind of on the same tier.
2: You already gave two, bro. You got three.
1: Who was who my second?
2: Oh, did you only do Chandler? He only did Chandler Jones. Jones. Oh, because you said two initially, but so I'm if sure you one.
0: if That's you think you can match my tier with Daniel Carlson above the kickers, I'm very curious to see what this is. My next stand is Sam Darnold. I
2: stole mine. For real? Really he <laughs> like knew Ben was going to say, the
0: the entire, gonna say Sam Darnold. the
2: entire Carolina offense, but it
0: was no. Sam Darnold. No, you can't can go we, the entire double, Carolina offense. Team this? Go ahead, Ben. Right. You talk better than I do, so no, go ahead. I'm just going to sit here in the Daniel Carlson no, fan no, club while no, no. <laughs> you two fandom <laughs> over Sam I'll, Darnold.
2: I'll, I'll go skill position players. You talk about
0: Sammy. Uh, so I'd I'll love go, to. I'll
2: talk about skill first. First of all, Christian McCaffrey. He is such a beautiful player. If you... If you guys don't watch the Carolina Panthers, just watch Christian McCaffrey play. He is an unbelievable running back. If you still think that Derrick Henry is the top running back after this game, just just why? Christian McCaffrey is both the top running back and a top 10 wide receiver. Twenty one for 98 on the ground, 9 for 89 in the air. Sam Darnold is doing a beautiful thing with this guy. <laughs> Giving him so many targets as uh, we see that Daniel Carson... Um, <clears throat>
0: Oh my God! What a handsome Sam man!
2: Arnold, also not DJ Moore. Finally, six six catches for eighty yards. Had an unbelievable uh, touchdown play for to Robbie Anderson. His only catch of the game, but still very good. Terrence Marshall as well. Uh, brought up with the targets, but man, let's talk about Big Sam.
1: Love Big Sam. And <laughs> last. <laughs> Last week I oh <laughs> <this is funny. laughs> I talked about the Panthers being my one of my wild card picks and Big Sam was one of the reasons to do it. It, for it. He
2: was one of my sleepers. Unbelievable, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Sammy D, 24 for 35, 279 yards. <laughs> And a tutty. Big Sam is going to do amazing things in this Carolina Panthers offense, and he has the weapons to do it. No more Chris Herndon and Denzel Mims. Now he has. Uh, don't rip on Denzel Mims like that. No, nah, nah, I like Denzel Mims, but I'm taking the CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, all over them.
2: And honestly, I think that Joe Brady and Matt Rule kind of realized they were playing the Jets after, like, the middle of the third quarter. They were up by, like, what, a couple touchdowns. They were up by, like, 18 or something. It was 18 nothing, or 19, I'm sorry, because um, it was 19-14, um, the final. They kind of just let them get back into this game. Only concern here, you know, only concern, and I, I'm not a stand of this, that
1: they were very bad in the red zone, but hopefully that can be solved here in the
2: my goodness, Daniel Carlson is a beautiful man.
0: That's hey, cap See? See? <laughs> see? Thank you. Oh Jesus. This, this is the type of a know?
1: this episode Absolutely. this episode went off the rails in the last 5 minutes. You have
0: the best game of like any of the kickers. If you're going to go all out, you got to pick Daniel Carlson. Cuz why not? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let's just
0: wrap it up. My goodness. All right. So that's going to wrap it up. For this lovely episode, oh, three and out. Always a good time here on the pod. Always. Make sure you catch nice us. To have
2: a live audience, by the way. Thank you guys. For Absolutely. Thank you guys.
0: This definitely made it a lot more interesting. Um, make sure you tune into next episode where we going over week two here in the NFL season. Make sure you tune into Apple, Spotify, and Anchor to listen to all of our episodes. For now, Mike Chiacchetti with Ben Pope. My name is Brett Shavves. Thanks so much for tuning in, and have a lovely rest of your evening.
2: Let's go Daniel Carlson, baby. Daniel Carlson, 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 Carlson.